The audio that you're listening to is recorded for Newfound Faith Christian Ministries at newfoundfaith.org. If you have not done so already, be sure to go to newfoundfaith.org and subscribe for email notifications so that you don't miss a post. You can also watch videos and subscribe on YouTube as well. Just search for Newfound Faith. Thanks again for listening and be sure to share what you listen to today with all of those that are around you. This week's Sunday School Lesson, Lesson Number 8 in the Winter Quarter, Blessing of Liberty in Christ. This week's lesson is being taught from the 5th chapter of Galatians, starting at the 1st verse and going through the 17th verse. Thanks again for stopping by and listening. Be sure to share what you have heard here today with someone, somewhere. Lesson this week is the last lesson within this unit of lessons, the second unit of lessons for this quarter. And again, this unit of lessons has been titled Blessing of the Gospel. And so again, something that I've been repeating for the past few weeks is what a blessing is, what it means to be blessed. To be blessed means to be happy. Uh, Blessing is something that makes you happy. And again, there's a drastic difference between a blessing that is of the world and a blessing that is of the Lord. A blessing of the world, it can make you happy. Okay, I do not want that to be mistaken. Okay, there, there are certainly things of the world. Like I can go outside, I can see the sun shining, right? Uh, I can see people uh, running up and down the street or maybe having a good time. And it may bring, bring a smile to, to my face. But again, at the same time, something awful could happen, right? And, and that happiness could be removed away from us. So a blessing that is of the world is a temporary happiness. It can come and it can go away. The blessing of God, it does not go away. The happiness that that the Lord can bring our soul does not go away. A blessing from the Lord makes us happy, but not only does it make us happy, it makes us content. We are full in our soul. And so what we have been doing for the past three weeks is we have been looking at what has made us happy and what has made us full in our soul. And what we have seen is that uh, we have an advocate. We have a mediator in Christ. Uh, we have the work of reconciliation to where we have been stored and where we can uh, be in fellowship with the Lord. That makes us happy and that makes us a uh, full in our soul. And here we are this week where we are now looking at liberty. Liberty is freedom, Right. We are looking at the blessing of liberty in Christ. We have liberty. We have freedom in Christ. As I said, uh, just as recently as our last lesson and even prior to that, to where we now live under grace. We do not live in the bondage of sin. We have been made free. And with this freedom, okay, we, we, we have liberty. We have liberty uh, through Christ. Okay. And something you have heard me preached about before, I believe I preached this just as recently. I think it may have been in November. Maybe it was in December. I think it was in November or it could have been October. Um, we, we should not abuse the liberty that we have. We should not abuse the freedoms that we have. OK, uh, if, if we were to do that, if we were to abuse the liberty that we would have, uh, it could set the wrong example. Uh, for all of those that are looking that are around us and that look at us and that's something that I've also said before in the past as well whether you realize it or not 
you are a testimony. And we've seen this in, in our recent Sunday school lessons as well. We are ambassadors for the Lord. We are ambassadors of Christ. And the last thing that, that you and I would want to do as true believers, as genuine believers, is misrepresent uh, the freedom that we have. Uh, we, we should not misrepresent uh, living under grace. And, and the way that we would do that, the way that we would abuse our liberty is if we were still living in sin. As we saw in our second lesson this quarter, we, we cannot say that we, we are walking in the light, that we have fellowship with God, but yet we are, our heart, our soul is filled with nothing but darkness. It, it does not add up. Okay. And so that's something else that uh, we'll see here in our Sunday school lesson uh, for this week as well. We'll see our lesson. It opens up here in the fifth chapter of Galatians there in the first verse by saying, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So that's just what I had mentioned, right? Prior to Christ, mankind was living in the bondage of sin. We were a, sa a slave of sin. But you and I who have genuinely believed in Christ, we have been set free from the bondage of sin. Christ freed us, okay, from the bondage of, of sin. We have the truth. We know the truth that we can be saved from sin through our faith in the only begotten son. So we should not again abuse our liberty. That's how I opened up our Sunday school lesson this week. Paul says there, stand fast, okay, stand fast, hold to, keep to uh, the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled. Don't go back being entangled with a yoke of bondage. We, we, we have been freed from being a slave to sin. Why would we go back into the grasp of sin? Okay, that would make absolutely no sense. We, we should refrain from doing that. We should, again, be obedient. So it means to stand fast, be, 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 be disciplined. Okay, be disciplined to, to your calling. Our calling, again, is a call of repentance. Our calling, again, was a call of reconciliation. We have been restored to harmony, to where we live in fellowship with the Lord. There is nothing better than being in fellowship with the Lord. So why would we look back? To, to, the, to the hands of, of sin, to, to the chains of sin. Why would we want to go back and, and get in those chains when we have been free from the chains of sin? Okay, we'll see Paul continue on to say there in the second verse, he says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. We'll take the third verse as well so that we can make sense of what's being spoken of there in the second verse. The third verse says, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. The fourth verse we'll see going to say, because we want to understand what Paul, why Paul is all of a sudden speaking about circumcision, right? The fourth verse says, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. We'll take the fifth verse as well. The fifth verse says, for we through the spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. The sixth verse says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith. But faith, Paul said, working through love. All right. So Paul in that second verse, okay, began to talk about circumcision. And, and you know, if we are just, we, we are, we are in the fifth chapter, right? 
if we just look at that, the first six verses there, circumcision, it just seems like it pops up out of nowhere, right? Because he, the first verse, Paul said, let us stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. It says, don't be entangled again with a, a yoke of bondage. For us, in order for us to understand what is going on there in the second and the sixth verse, we have to understand what was at play, all of what was happening during during that time in which Paul lived in. We have to understand something that, that we have seen already said before by Paul is that he worked to persuade others, to encourage them to turn from wickedness, right? And to turn to the way of God. While Paul was working to persuade and encourage others to turn away from wickedness and to turn to the Lord, there were others who were out trying to persuade people. Let's say the Galatians here, because this letter, again, it is to the Galatians. There were others who were encouraging the Galatians to go in another way, to go in another direction. And we'll see that circumcision was the topic that was trying to push the Galatians away from the Lord. There was a lot of false teaching that was going on in that day. And there were a lot of actions that were, were being taken at that point in time that were putting the liberty of the Galatians, those who were of the faith, those who were believing, that was putting their faith, their liberty to the test. If we go to the book of Acts and we look at the 15th chapter of the book of Acts, we'll see this conflict that was brewing between the Jewish believers and then the Gentile believers. The Gentile believers at that point in time were, were just the Greeks, those who, who, who were of who were of Greek culture. But again, we know that Gentiles are all all blood who uh, that did not come through uh, the blood of Jacob, the blood of Israel. Well, in the 15th chapter of Acts, if you are looking at it and you look at that first verse, we are told that certain men came from Judea and taught the brethren, that is the believers, and said to them, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, they said, you cannot be saved. That was the teaching that many Greeks, many Gentile believers were facing during that time. To where on one hand, they have Paul saying, all you need to do is have faith in the only begotten son and you can be saved. And again, what Paul was teaching when he was sharing that message was the same thing that Jesus was teaching. Jesus said in the third chapter of John's gospel, in the 16th verse, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Nowhere did Jesus mention circumcision in that statement. Circumcision wasn't brought up at all by Jesus in that statement. What was brought up? Believing. What was brought up? Having faith in the only begotten son. When Jesus said that he was the bread of life, he didn't tell anybody to go out and get circumcised. Jesus said to, to eat of him and to drink of him, to consume his teachings, to consume his preachings, to consume the word of God is what Jesus taught. And, 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 and when he was saying, when Jesus was saying that we should consume it, he was saying that we should live by it. 
Again, the word of God is about having faith. It is not about circumcision. Yes, was circumcision part of the law? Yeah, but again, circumcision, it, be, it became more of, of, of tradition. It became more of religious practice rather than faith. And you've heard me say this before. There is a drastic difference between religion and genuine faith. You see, someone who is of religion, they do something because uh, religion dictates to them that they have to do it. Whereas someone who is doing something out of faith, they're doing it out of the generosity of their heart. They're choosing to freely do something. So in the book of Acts, we, we, we find in the 15th chapter again of Acts in that first verse that there were people who were going around and who were teaching and saying that you can't be saved if you aren't circumcised according to the custom of Moses. That is speaking about the Mosaic law. Okay. And again, this was a major topic of discussion uh, of, of conflict, if you will, between the believer who believed in Christ that was uh, a Jew and the believer who was a Gentile who believed in Christ. If you go back to the, uh, the fifth chapter in the book of Acts, you, you will see that Gamaliel had to stand up amongst the brethren. And, and, and again, he had to stand up against uh, the Sanhedrin council as well, I should say, to, to where the Sanhedrin council was ready to move against the apostles because they were teaching the way, the new way of Christ, and, and they were ready to move against it. But in the fifth chapter of Acts, you'll see Gamaliel warned those, the Sanhedrin council about doing such, about taking such actions. He warned the religious uh, leaders that if the apostles was doing a work of God, that they should let it alone. The religious leaders should leave those men, leave those people alone because you are putting your, yourself in opposition against God and you're not going to win that battle is what Gamaliel basically said to them. You cannot stop the works of God is what Gamaliel has said to them. So again, what Paul battled against and what we see him writing against here uh, in the fifth chapter of Galatians is essentially against that false teaching that I referenced in the 15th chapter of Acts, where at that time, the Jewish believers, those who were, were professing to be believers of Christ, were being a hurdle for those who may have not been a Jew, but was a Gentile. They were being a hurdle to them and essentially telling them that they could not be saved because they weren't getting circumcised because they weren't living according to the traditions that the Jews were living by. Because many of the Jews, even though, again, they were living under grace, okay, as we discussed in, in, in our lesson last week, even though they were living under grace, there were many who were still trying to live by the law. We have to remember, Peter was one of those people. When he had a vision on a rooftop in Joppa, he had a vision that he could eat anything. All had been cleaned. But he went and he tried to argue against God saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to eat anything. I'm going to eat what is clean. And, and, and he made that argument because it went against his tradition where God was actually telling him it's fine to, to eat anything that he had cleaned. OK, so Paul, he had in his day had to deal with a lot of folks who were still holding on to the Mosaic law and were trying to live by the Mosaic law, even though. They were living under grace. Now, something that I love is said in the book of, of Hebrews that is said about 
the law. In the 10th chapter of Hebrews and in the first verse, the writer of Hebrews pointed out that the law was a shadow of the good things to come. Okay. Those that offered up sacrifices by law could not be, could not be made perfect. Okay. Again, the law itself was a shadow of good things to come. It was a shadow of Christ, if you will, but Christ was the good tidings, right? When, when, when Christ was born into the world, the angel said to the shepherd that, the, that, the, that he had good tidings of, of great joy, not for some people, but for all people, okay? So the law itself was a shadow of the good things to come. And we find again, what there in the second, from the second through the sixth verse, there in our Sunday school lesson from the fifth chapter of Galatians, that Paul was essentially speaking against that shadow. He always, it seemed like he had to always deal with that shadow because people were still trying to live by the law. There were people who were pressing circumcision. They were trying to press circumcision on, on those who were not practicing circumcision. It may have not been part of their tradition. Okay. Even though they were Gentiles, they still were able to believe in Christ. And they were fine. They didn't have to circumcise themselves in order to be saved. All they had to do, like I said before, all they had to do was have faith. All they had to do was believe. So again, that's why we see Paul say there in the third verse, he says, I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Because again, they were trying, the people that were pushing that narrative were trying to live by the law. Okay. And again, they were being a debtor to the law, even though they shouldn't have. They, they were living under grace. They were no longer uh, had to live under the law. We had something better. They had something better in Jesus Christ who fulfilled the law. Okay. And so Paul, again, he said there in the fourth verse, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. You essentially, they were going backwards instead of living under grace. They were trying to live by the Mosaic law. Okay. The law, Christ is, is greater than the law. He is, as I've said before, and, and a lot of people uh, seem to, to not understand what I mean when I say this is the conclusion of the law. He is the end of the law. Okay. He's the, the, the second half of the law, if you will, he's the finish of the law. Okay. And we need the, we need Christ in order to be able to finish the law. We need Christ in order to be able to fulfill the law. Okay. And again, we'll see Paul. He said there in the field, verse four, we through the spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. The law cannot give us righteousness. The reason why the law cannot give us righteousness is because we by ourselves cannot keep the law in its entirety. If you fail in one part of the law, you fail the entire thing. That's what James said in his letter. And scripture shows that. Okay. The Lord knew that we needed help in fulfilling the law. That's why he gave us his only begotten son. Am I saying that the Mosaic law is a terrible thing? Am I saying that it's a bad thing? Absolutely not. The law came from the benevolent one. So we know that the law is a good thing. The bad thing is that we ourselves are unable to keep the law. So the bad thing isn't the law. We are the bad thing. We can't, we can't keep the law. We need Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs the son in order to fulfill the law, okay, so that we can become righteous. 
And then again there in 6 verse it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Circumcision, uncircumcision is a big thing for the Jews. I'm not looking down on it. Okay, I'm not looking down on the practice, right? But at the end of the day, Paul says it doesn't mean anything. Whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, it has absolutely nothing to do with your faith and whether or not you are going to be saved, whether or not you are forgiven for your iniquities and your trespasses that you have committed against the Lord. Circumcision and uncircumcision, it means nothing. Okay. So again, what we find here from the first through the sixth verse is that there were people who were working against believers. And those people happened to be other believers, others who had confessed that they were of faith in Christ, of, of faith in the Lord. Yet we find that they were being a hurdle to those who were of faith as well. And then we also find that they, many of them, were trying to live solely by the law still, rather than living under grace. And in doing that, they were making themselves estranged. They were finding themselves floating away from Christ, moving away from Christ. Because again, they, they were rather, they were choosing to live by the law rather than living by the grace of God, living under his grace. Okay. All right. So our lesson, we will see it continue on there. There in the seventh verse. And again, we're talking about blessing of liberty, right? Liberty again in Christ, which is freedom in Christ. Okay, our liberty is should not be a hurdle to anyone. Keep that in mind because we're going to discuss that here in a moment. We see here it says there in the seven verses, it says, You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This was a question that Paul had for the Galatians. So the, the believers who were were uh in uh of Galatians descent, those who Paul is writing to here that were in Galatia. He's saying y'all are doing okay. Y'all ran well. When he says that y'all ran well, you you ran well. He's talking about running again that race of faith, right? He said you, you were doing fine. You were running well. So who hindered you? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who was it that was trying to persuade you? Who was it that was trying to push you away, trying to get you to live in another way? So Paul he answers that question. We will see here in a verse. And again, we already have a hint as to, to who we know the people, but I want you to understand that there were, there was another, let's say entity that was behind the people. Okay. We'll see it say here in a verse, it says this persuasion does not come from him who calls you the him who called uh, the guy, the people of uh, the, the Galatians there was Christ, right? Christ called them to repent. Christ called them to turn away from wickedness. Christ called them to, to be obedient to his way, to be obedient to his instructions. So it was not Christ who hindered them from obeying the truth, right? Again, Christ isn't the author of confusion. Christ, I would say, is the, the author of light. Jesus said that he is the light of the world. So Jesus, I would say, he's the author of light. He's the author of clarity and understanding. He's not the author of confusion. 
He does not hinder anyone from obeying the truth. He encourages all people to obey him, to obey the truth. So again, who hindered the Galatians and who hinders us today from being obedient to the truth, from, from obeying the truth? Well, we're told there in the ninth verse, as Paul continues to answer that verse, uh, that, that question, he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. The 10th verse says, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Okay. So again, the religious leaders or, or those who are of faith, I should say, there uh, for the Galatians here in the fifth chapter, as we went back over to the book of Acts as well, we know that they were the ones who were hindering the Galatians or the Greeks or the Gentiles at that time, right? We know that it wasn't Christ. Okay, so who else could it be? Well, yeah, of course, again, we, we said that it was those who are of faith. But who leavens the, 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 the whole lump, right? Okay, who is it that would do that? Who would be behind that? Well, there can be no other answer than the devil, right? The devil constantly is working to hinder us in our walk of faith. The devil is constantly hindering us, trying to hinder us from, from being obedient to the truth. So when we start talking about the blessing of liberty, and when, when I mentioned there that we should not abuse the liberty that we have, we have to do our very best to ignore Satan. We, we have to do our very best not to, to let Satan try to lead us in moving against our brothers and our sisters in Christ. As we saw it say in the first chapter of first John, we are in fellowship with one another and, and being in fellowship with one another. We ought not be, we ought not be trying to hinder. We ought not be hindering one another. What we should be doing is uplifting. What we should be doing is edifying each other unto the righteousness of God. We, we, we should be edifying one another to be and to do better, right? We should not be putting a stumbling block in the path of another. And you've heard me say that before over and over and over again, okay? So again, Paul said there, I have confidence in you, in the Lord. It says this in the 10th verse, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Those who works against us, God is going to judge, Okay, and we went over that uh, in an earlier Sunday school lesson within this within this month as well. And so we'll see it say we'll see Paul say there, continuing on this thought in the eleven verse, it says, and and I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Okay, so again, there were there were people who were saying that they had the, the Galatians and and the Gentiles that they needed to be circumcised in order to be saved. And Paul, he sits here and he says, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Because again, the idea was, hey, you know, circumcision is a great thing. You'll be saved. And here Paul is, is saying, hey, well, if it's such a good thing, why am I being persecuted? Okay. He says, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross, Paul says, has ceased. It says there in the 12th verse, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Okay, Paul, he, he was done. He was tired of, 
of having to deal with those who was going around and, and misleading others, pushing others away from the faith. And again, they were using the law. They were using tradition to push those who, as Paul said in the seventh verse, they ran well. The Galatians were, were of good faith, but they were being hindered in their faith. And again, I tell you, that's the last thing that one who has said that they are of faith and they have confessed that they are of faith. The last thing we should ever want to do is hinder another in their walk of faith, in their run of faith. Again, we should want to support. That's our calling as a child of God. That's our calling as genuine believers to support, to edify, to to uplift. Okay, that's our calling. That's that's what we should be using our liberty to do, our freedom to do, to help others to freedom, right? We, we should not want anyone to remain in the chains of sin. We should not want anyone to remain in the bondage of sin. We should want them free. And so that's how we should be using our liberty rather than using it as another hurdle. Okay. The 13th verse, we'll see Paul go on to say, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another again. We should not abuse our liberty. Again, there are many people who say that they are in fellowship with the Lord, but they walk in darkness. There are many people who say that they are a child of God, but, you know, you look at their actions and you can't tell the difference between them and the sinner. And again, we stand as a testimony of God. We stand as a testimony of being saved, right? Living under grace, living in his liberty. The last thing that should ever be said of us by either a believer or a non-believer is that, hey, that guy's out there sinning or that woman is out there sinning just like how I am. When, when, when that happens, we are being a terrible servant of the Lord. We are being a, a terrible ambassador, a terrible steward of the Lord. We're setting the wrong example. And people will begin to believe that it's okay for them to live in sin because the one who's saying that they are a Christian, the one who's saying that they are a believer, they're living in sin. So, hey, God must be fine with it because they're doing it. It's misleading. And again, it says it sets the absolutely wrong example. Again, Paul said, you, brethren, have been called to liberty. We have been called to freedom by the Lord. Only do not use liberty. Do not use your freedom, Paul said, as an opportunity for the flesh. We shouldn't be living for the flesh. We should be living for the spirit. Okay. And we're not going to cover those verses within uh, the selected scripture for our Sunday school lesson. Okay. But there, there are works of the spirit, fruits of the spirit uh, that Paul goes into in this chapter that I certainly recommend uh, you read as well. And so we'll see Paul again, as he continued on, he said there, do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Use this freedom as an opportunity to serve one another. Okay, that is, as you hear me say this at the end of every Sunday school lesson, that is our calling as a child of God to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That's exactly what we should be using our liberty to do. The 14th verse goes on to say, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Say again, all the law is fulfilled. That was the argument of that day, the Mosaic law. They, they tried to, to tie circumcision into it, right? And, and push others away. The Galatians, they, they, they were being pushed away by, by those who were saying, hey, y'all aren't, y'all aren't really saved because you aren't circumcised. Get circumcised. That's, that's what some were saying. But here we see Paul say the law is fulfilled in one word. Even this, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, that's faith in action. Not a lot of people see that. But that is our faith in action. Yes, God has called for us to be faithful, to love him. But our faith in action is when we love all of those that are around us. You see, God, he has loved himself. God wasn't selfish. God loved us and he gave us himself. Okay, what does God again call for us to do? He, we, we have been tasked, we have been commissioned by Christ to go out and to serve all of those that are around us. Remember, the Great Commission, the 28th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, the 19th and the 20th verse, tells us that we should baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach others to observe all things that Christ commanded us to observe. So our calling, I want you to understand, yes, our calling is to believe in the Lord, to have faith in Him, but really we are called to serve each other and all of those that are around us. That is putting our liberty to good use. Okay. So again, we should love our neighbors as we love ourselves. The 15th verse says, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And again, I look around at our world today and it just seems like for the most part, we live to tear one another apart. We, we live to tear each other down. And, and what good has come from any of that? None whatsoever. God didn't create us to tear one another down. God created us to lift each other up. In the bondage of sin, we wouldn't be able to do that properly. No, there, there, there are some people that may think otherwise, but in the bondage of sin, we wouldn't have the, the tools, the proper tools to uplift one in their soul. Again, we can bring about happiness, right? We can make people laugh. We can make people uh, smile. We can make them happy. But that happiness, it is temporary. It, it goes away. It kind of reminds me of that old saying about uh, teaching someone how to fish. You can give someone fish and they can eat for a day. But if you teach them how to fish, they can eat for a lifetime is what that saying says. It, through the world, we can make someone happy for a moment, but we would have to we would have to give them a fish every day to make them happy. Yet, if we were to to show them the Lord, if we were to to love them as 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 we should properly love them and and show them the way to the Lord, then the Lord could make them happy for a lifetime. God can make them happy for a lifetime and then beyond that lifetime. Okay, so we, we shouldn't be, again, holding on to the gospel for ourselves when we talk about this unit of lessons being titled Blessing of the Gospel. 
uh, we should share the gospel with all of those that are around us. We have the freedom to do so. We have the authority to do so. Okay, we have the authority as ambassadors, as stewards of Christ. Okay, and we have that ministry of reconciliation, as we have seen as well uh, within this second unit of lessons. Our second unit of lessons closes out here in the 16th and the 17th verse by saying, I say then, Paul says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, the, the spirit, the spirit can't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The spirit is only going to fulfill itself and the opposite way around as well. The flesh can't fulfill the spirit. Again, things of the world can make us happy for a moment, but it cannot fill us with joy in our soul. We can't be content in our soul. That's why that's why so many people struggle today. With being happy and content in their soul. They struggle with being happy and content in their soul because they are trying to find that happiness and that contentment in their soul through a worldly manner, through the riches of this world. And the riches of this world can't even attain it. You can't even grab a hold of it. You think you may have it one moment, but like Solomon said, it's like grasping for the wind. It slips right through your fingers. Whereas the love of God has never changed. God is the same today as he was yesterday and will be in the future. Okay, so if we walk in the spirit, we're going to live by his way, the way of God. And this is going to make us happy and content in our soul. Paul said, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The 17th verse says for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. This Paul said, these are contrary. The flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another. They cannot satisfy one another completely. See, the spirit doesn't have, it wants no part of the flesh. Okay. The spirit is always telling us a, a way that is different than the flesh. Okay. It's like, you know, having the angel on the shoulder where the good angel is saying, you know, hey, do this. And then the devil on your shoulder is saying, do that. The two natures, they, they fight against one another. They war within us. Paul said that he he wished that he could do what he desired to do in his spirit, but his flesh keeps him from doing it at times. And that's what many of us, that's that same battle that many of us go through, where we end up battling against our old man. But we have to learn self-control. We have to learn that we are in control, okay? We are in control of, of who we are, uh, and, and we are in control of what we want to do. We are in control if we desire to be obedient to the way of God or whether we be disobedient to the way of God. We are in control of that, okay? And that's something you've heard me preaching about. We are in control of that. For the flesh lusts against the, the spirit, Paul said, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But we have to learn to stand fast, as Paul said, it says stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. We have to learn to be disciplined. OK, we have to be disciplined in our run of faith, in our walk of faith. OK, and that's, again, something that that we've seen Paul speaking about. When he, when he started talking about we ought to run this race like there's a reward at the end. 
We ought to run like the athletes do, like the Olympians do, who are temperate in all things. They are strict. They are, are disciplined in all things. We have to learn how to be disciplined in all things. We have to learn how to be disciplined in this liberty that we have received from Christ. Okay. The blessing of liberty is, yes, it is for us, but it again is for all of those that are around us as well. What we have learned here today is that we ought not abuse the liberty that we have received from Christ. We should use the liberty that we have received from Christ to uplift all of those that are around us. Okay. With our goal, our desire is for people to come to the Lord. So we want to be the best examples. We want to be the best ambassadors that we can possibly be to encourage others to come to God, step away, run away from the bondage of sin and enjoy the freedom that God has for you. Okay, that's that's that should be the believer's main goal. All right. Okay, so that is our lesson. That's, again, the last lesson within this unit of lessons. I hope that all of you enjoyed this lesson, and I hope that you will share this lesson with someone somewhere. And I hope, again, that you will come back for the final unit of lessons for this quarter. Okay, come back next week. All right, and until that time, let us, again, continue to keep one another lifted up in prayer. You never know what anyone is going through, so be prayerful for all of those that you know. Be prayerful for all of those that you do not know. And again, let us continue about in grace and in love. That is our calling as a child of God to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Until next time, I will continue to keep all of you lifted up in my prayers. And I pray that the Lord continues to keep and to bless all of you.